0: I really take into consideration the developmental needs that kids have. As a parent, we're likely saying same things, but for a kids to hear it from a different person, especially for a boy to hear it from another adult male that they see as some type of a role model in their life, it hits a little bit differently. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening.
1: Conscious investor, investing is more than investing in real estate or stocks, hard assets or paper assets. Remember that as conscious investors, we are striving for personal freedom. Today, I am so excited to be sharing space once again with a good friend of mine, Dennis Meralda from the Building Men podcast and Building Men movement. And Dennis is coming on. If you want to check out a previous episode, he was on episode number 241, changing the definition of masculinity. And we're continuing this conversation in a kind of a refreshed way, but really investing in our kids is absolutely critical and paramount. In fact, I consider and super Red Steve, we consider that our kids are our number one investment in life. ROI on that is infinite, right? And we all like infinite returns when it comes to our real estate investing. What about infinite returns when it comes to supporting our kids, right? And helping them prepare to navigate an ever-changing world helping them develop the internal resilience and strength. In this conversation, Dennis and I go through, we talk about his experience as a 21-year-old. Building Men started years and years and years ago, and it's been a movement that started as a college kid and then grew into what it is today. There are no overnight successes, let's be real. And then we're talking about what it was like when, He decided to leave his role as an administrator at a middle school to pursue building out the building man platform further. After he left his job, the pandemic happened. Well, how am I going to pay the bills? How's all this going to happen? Savings is going down. And he starts a podcast. Game changer. We talk about dealing with failure. We talk about confidence and we talk about the three thieves: resistance, distraction, victimhood. We also talk about the five needs of teenage guys, but all humans need these same things. Autonomy, competence, fun, relationships, and safety. I have full confidence, Conscious Investor, this episode is really going to just support you, uplift you, and if you have a teenager in your life, particularly a teenage guy, or if you have niece a nephew, or you have friends, like share this episode with them, because this is going to be affirming and challenging and uplifting. It's everything. All right, well, let's dive on in. Dennis, it is always such a joy and pleasure to have you on the Conscious Investor podcast. So welcome back. Second time or third time? I think it's second time.
0: This is the second time you were on Building Men. I was on Conscious Investor. Yeah, no, our third podcast, but second on yours. So I'll have to reciprocate and have you back on Building Men then too.
1: Oh, well, sure. I'm totally down for that. So let's go ahead and talk about your podcast for just a moment because, you know, I'm a huge fan and ambassador for the Building Men podcast. And I love the movement that you are creating. It's also very fun to have a good friend that is creating a movement. So I'm creating the Conscious Investor movement, you're creating the Building Men movement. Let's go ahead and let the conscious investor know more about what is the movement that you are creating.
0: Well, Building Men, it started back in 2005. Uh, that's officially it started when I was a middle school assistant principal, Central New Jersey, Bordentown, where I currently live. And the idea for Building Men, it actually started like I had a really challenging upbringing, especially with my father. We could really dive deep into that, like a therapy session on a on a leather couch, but. Challenging abusive relationship with my father, and I always wished I had some adult advocate, role model, mentor in my life, especially in that difficult adolescent time frame. You know, when we're going through puberty, everything is changing. We're like, What the hell is going on in my body, my mind, emotionally, spirit, and never had that. So, I went through a lot of those challenging times without someone that I could confide in, that I could share my thoughts with or my fears or my hopes, someone that could support me and kick me in the ass at the same time. So having that as this void in my life, I have a younger brother, Anthony, who's 14 years younger than me. And I recognize at a really young age, I needed to be not only a brother, but like a father figure for him as well. I really wanted to shield him from my father as he was growing up. That became part of who I was. And I decided after high school to go into education. And so I majored in education and sociology in school, in college. I was a baseball player and loved that aspect of school, loved the teamwork aspect of it, loved the competition. And when my playing days were over, I still had another year of school left. I changed my major halfway through and I added some things on in my major. And so I was in school for an extra year. In my extra year of school, I did an internship for the sociology piece of my major at halfway home for boys. And this halfway home was with boys that were in a tough area of South Jersey. And they were in this program because they were either the victims of physical, sexual abuse and or neglect, or they had committed a crime. And the court said, you need to be involved in some type of program after school. And so the halfway home was they were there after school every single day. And so from like three o'clock until 10 or 11 o'clock at night, And so I was learning how to do individual and group counseling as a part of this internship. And now I'm observing clinically trained social workers and psychologists, clinicians who were at the top of their game. And then they hired me as a van driver. So now I'm 21 years old driving a white van in South Jersey, picking these kids (laughs) up from their high schools or middle schools and driving them back to this place. And at first, as with any group of kids, it takes a long time to build rapport and establish that connection. But before you know it, these kids on the van rides home are talking to me about things that they are not sharing with these social workers and psychologists. And it became its own little group and community. And then they're asking me to take the long way home. And then they're asking, can Mm. they be the last one to get dropped off? So this way they have about 10, 15 minutes in the van with me just talking about something that they wanted to share. So it was at that moment, Julia, where I was like, I need to do something with this in some capacity in my life. So after that experience, I taught for just a very short period of time. I only taught for 4 years. My third day teaching actually in a middle school setting was September 11th of 2001 in Central New Jersey. My indoctrination into the education world was understanding the importance of providing a safe space for kids because I had several kids in my school, and my class that lost family members in 9-11. So right away, I mean, just developing this idea of Knowing the kids we teach is way more important than knowing the content we teach. It's connections over curriculum. It is knowing the developmental characteristics of the kids that you're dealing with and the boys in particular, based on my experience. So fast forward, I got my master's degree in educational leadership and started as an assistant principal in 2005. And when I started, recognized all the issues I was dealing with were with the boys in the school. 90% of my day was 30 boys. And so I started this boys group. I called it Building Men, and we saw unbelievable results. The boys that were part of the program, how they leaned into conversations, and it changed the dynamic of the school. And I would argue that if a school has the boys locked in and under control, the school is going to be locked in and under control. You won't see a school where the boys are under control and the girls are bad. That's the stuff that right. never
1: happened, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: I mean, if we could go into a, a million different ways from there, but that was the origins right. of the Building Men movement, and it's gone through several iterations since then.
1: Okay. I want to jump all over the place. But, you know, one thing I just want to note just for posterity, I suppose, is I love that it's taken decades to percolate. Like it's been nearly, I am exaggerating, but it's been nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we round it up, I mean, 2005, this is 2023. Like that is a long time. And so often we see these people on social platforms and it's like, oh my gosh, they're an overnight success. But nobody's paying attention to the track that was laid and the foundation that was laid way back when and the experiences that were had. So I love that you said like, this is an iterative process. This is something that began way back then, and you stuck with it. And I just want to ask this mindset question and like, we're going to just bookmark this. We're placing a bookmark on the story. Just to ask, yeah. how was that for you processing and allowing yourself to iterate that? And you're raising your own kids at the same time. So that influences everything. But I mean, I find that so often many people will expect something to look and act a certain way. And when it doesn't, they just shelf it or quit on it or shame themselves or something. But how were you able to take that process and say, I'm sticking with this and I'm tweaking it and I'm going to tweak it again and again and again?
0: Well, I think... Starting with, I recognize, one, it was part of my purpose, part of my calling was working with those boys that were going through a lot of challenging situations. I saw myself in them and Mm -hmm. wished that I had someone to be there for me. So I saw that. And as I went through it, it did. It was Ready, Fire, Aim when I started the Building Men program. Um, And I learned so much in every meeting that I had with the boys. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. learning about things developmentally, what they're going through. I put myself back into their shoes as a middle school kid. What were things that I was thinking about? But as I was going through it, I was also at the same time, I was going from assistant principal to a principal. In my mind, I was climbing the ladder where I was like, okay, the next thing I'm going to get my doctorate and then I'm going to become a superintendent to make the money to do what, right? To sit on the top of the castle and push papers around. And so as I was doing it, there was a piece of me living a bit of an inauthentic life where I was like, I'm just trying to chase the money and get the next bigger paying job as I was still doing this program. So there was a little bit of like, as I was looking in the mirror, I love the building men piece of it. But I was also like, you're not living authentically either. Because if you really were, you would be leaning into this whole thing, this whole movement that you have in your mind. So it wasn't until 2019, I left public education after being a principal or assistant principal for 14 years. And started doing some coaching and consulting work with school districts. It wasn't building men yet. That took a little bit more time. But it was, mm-hmm. how do you build community? Like, how do you intentionally mm-hmm. create community? Because if you're an educator, it needs to be intentional. You have a group of kids together. A community is not established just because you're all following the same schedule. And it's period 3 and it's 10, 15 in the morning. You need to be really intentional about that. Yep. How do you manage behaviors proactively and reactively? And most of behavior management happens before there's a behavior. So Mm -hmm. even work that I do now with parents and as I'm coaching kids, a big component of it, as you know, is like a conversation with the parents. And so much of it is, how are you speaking? What language are you using? What systems are you set up? How are you modeling? And so I did that for a year and then COVID shuts it down. And so now I leave my job making $150,000 a year. I had a pension around the corner and I take a risk and it doesn't pay off. And now for like 3 or 4 months, I had no income. My savings was almost gone. I have 3 kids and I really didn't know how I was going to pay the bills um, in a month or two. And it was really scary for me. And that's when I started the podcast. It was in the middle of like one of the lowest times in my life. And I'm like, all right, welcome to the Building Men podcast. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but listen to me. (laughs) And from that, it was like almost... I'm going to act And then as I act, I'm going to like move, move, move. And then the confidence is going to come along with it. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's one
0: thing that I'll tell young men now too. You can't wait for the motivation. You have to start moving and the motivation will follow based on your movement. And then from there, it's taken on several different turns to where it's finally where I see how I envision it, where I'm doing individual coaching, group coaching. I'm working with schools. I'm doing workshops for teachers, for parents and for kids. That's all kind of come together. But it was an 18-year overnight success. It really took a long, long time to get to where I am right now.
1: It's amazing. And I love how you said, you know, the confidence is going to come. So often I hear people talking about like, oh, if I only had your confidence or I just need more confidence. And I get a little frustrated with that. You think anything that people who are creating content and such or leaning into their dreams the confidence comes because you're taking action. You're on the field playing and yeah, you get hit, you get knocked down and everything. However, then, you know, you get right back up and you're more confident than you were before. You have more clarity and you have a better sense of where your gaps are and how you're going to do things. Like Confidence isn't just as magical. You don't just get confidence and get going. The confidence is the reward of the actions that you
0: take. agree with that. And I'll tell kids all the time, confidence is created by making promises to yourself and keeping those promises and doing it again and again and again. Quick aside, and here's a good parenting tip, but I'll throw a couple out there during the episode for those of you that have kids of your own. Mm -hmm. There's a TEDx talk called the Super Mario effect. And so we know the game Super Mario Brothers were in that age group where that was a big part playing Nintendo. And the thing at Super Mario Brothers is you would... Get to a level, you know, and you're big Mario and you're trying to save Princess Peach from Bowser and you hit A and B and you jump over the turtle and you hit it and it moves, jump over the little blocks. And then you get hit and you shrink down and then you die in the level. And you go back to the beginning of level three, two. It doesn't take you all the way back to the beginning and you're like, okay, what did I do wrong that time? When I jumped and I hit the turtle, I need to jump again. And then you do it and you're like, okay, I got past that point. And then you learn a little bit. And so the failure of what you're doing is a little building block for, I learned something not to do in that situation. And so the Super Mario effect, the TEDx talk, is a guy who is this famous YouTube content creator around coding, like video game coding. And what he did was he put this challenge out to his audience. And he said, listen, I'm looking for 100,000 people that are willing to learn how to code a video game. So if you're interested, sign up and whatever. So he got 100,000 people to do it. And he put them in two groups. So group A, he said, I'm going to teach you how to code. He gave them all the directions on how to code. And they had to go on and do all the things that he told them how to do. The big difference of so group A, if they made a mistake with what they were doing, there was a big thing that popped up on the screen as they were trying to code. And it popped up on the screen in red. And it said, that's wrong. You lose 5 points. And so the group started off with this arbitrary number of 200 points. It didn't okay. really mean anything. It just said, that's wrong. You lose five points. Big thing came up on the screen. Group B got the same exact directions, same exact way to code. Everyone was a novice going into this. The big difference was if they were incorrect, a thing popped up on the screen and it was in green. I don't know how much the colors have to do with it. Probably some psychological reason. Something popped up on the screen. And it said, that wasn't right. Try it again. That was mm-hmm. it. the only difference. It was no, that's wrong. You lose five points. So there was not like this pressure filled thing around failure. And so the thing that happened, it was magical that happened and statistically significant with 100,000 people that right. went through this challenge. Group A, the people that did it were successful 50% of the time. So half the people that tried it were able to find success. After they were wrong, they tried an average of five more times. Group B that got the input, that was incorrect or that wasn't right. Please try again. They were right 70% of the time. Whoa! And they tried an average of 12 more times, almost two and a half times more. That was the only difference. And it really speaks to how the human brain works. How do we deal with failure? Is failure something that should be seen as the be-all, end-all? Or is failure an opportunity to learn from something and be celebrated? You failed at that. But listen, you gave it a shot. You tried and try again. And then you Mm -hmm. learn something else and try again. So the whole content creator thing and like confidence you know what? You're going to suck at it in the beginning. It's embracing that suck and being like, you know what? I'm going to do it even though it's uncomfortable because every single time I do it, I'm making that little promise myself. I'm getting a little bit better at it. So if you have kids, don't ask them, what did you do great today? Or how was your day? Or because they say, oh, nothing, fine. Right. What did you fail at today? Tell me something that you tried and you weren't successful. What did you learn from that? So with kids, if you can really help them embrace the idea of failure failing forward is a good thing, you will see a totally different outcome with your kids. That was one of those things where I mentioned a couple of things I wish I did differently, the way I was (laughs) raised my son versus my daughters right now. 100%. That's one of the several things that I've learned that I wish I would have done differently.
1: It's so powerful. Here's something interesting. I'm going to tie this into the school system and into all of life. In fact... I was wrestling with this and Conscious Investor, those of you who currently have kids in school or have already gone through the school system with your kids, this might resonate with you. I was a little frustrated a couple of years ago when it was like, oh, you can retake the test as many times as you need to take it. And this old version of me was frustrated. I'm like, no, like you need to take the test and you need to pass the test. Fast forward these years of really doing a ton of deep work and reading really, you know, books that challenge my thinking and just like stretching myself. Every adult who is listening to this or every person, even if you're a younger person, you're still alive. You're holding technology because you're hearing this right now. You have some level of means within your life. We didn't just get there. Right. And so I realized, All of life is this constant sequence of walk, crawl, run, crawl, walk, run, trip, get back up, try it again. And that's what we do. We get laid off from a job. We have to go through the disappointment of it. And then we reapply and we get another job and we have money and we pay our bills. And maybe people went through the foreclosures back in the great recession but guess what? You have a roof over your head and you have clothes on your back. You have technology in your hands streaming to your ears right now. I started thinking about this. I'm like, wait, when is there ever a point where it's done, where it's like, uh, sorry, game over. Your life is done. You totally failed at that work assignment. You pissed off one of our top yeah. clients. It's not like you're dead. So what do you do? You get back up again. I'm
0: like, It's oh. it's such a great point. I love you Bring in the stand, crawl, walk kind of thing too. think about this with kids, right? So you brought in that idea. I'll I'll use it as a quick analogy with kids. You have your own kids and you're like, you can't wait for them to start crawling. I don't know. I mean, once they start crawling, all hell breaks loose. But so they start crawling and like, okay, then we're going to have them stand up and take a step. And so as kids take a step, they take a step, they wobble a little bit and they fall over. Like later on in their life, they'd be like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to crawl right now because... I gave it a shot. It didn't work. I guess I'm not a walker. <laughs> but, but what do they do? They fall down and you're like, get back up and walk to mommy, walk to dad, And then you take another step. And then they fall. And all of a sudden, they take three or four steps. And then they look like a drunken sailor walking out of the bar. But then they get to yeah. a point where they're walking around. And like, at what point do kids get to that space where they're like, you know what? I did something. I gave it a shot. I failed at it. And that's it. I'm never going to do it again. Well, it's us. It's society. And it's the adults in their life that are not normalizing. That's okay. Get back up. give it a shot again. You failed that you got six out of ten incorrect. Well, let's look at the six he got incorrect. Let's do it again. We'll learn how to do whatever the problem was because that will serve you more in your life. We have to reimagine that. and I love you even mentioning I've gone through several iterations myself on how I feel about incorrect answers.
1: <laughs> it's an important, and it's interesting once I started articulating this with you know my son, it was just a matter of, Wow, this is really interesting. How have I not connected these thoughts before? It's really easy to compartmentalize different parts of our thinking and say, oh, well, that's school. Well, wait, let me challenge the thinking that I was raised with. Like, let's just go back to that for a moment and challenge it. So I love that you and I can just like take these detours and to support going back to the conversation. Um, going back to the bookmark now. <laughs> and yeah. So let's go into what it is like your ultimate vision for building men. What is it that you see building out and providing it to the world?
0: Being a principal, having building men in my school changed the culture of the school. When I first started, I asked the boys in the program, "What do you think a man is? Tell me about a man. What does that mean to you?" And the boys were it was things that I would have said when I was in middle school age range or high school age range. It was like. You have to be the best athlete. You got to be bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, You got to have the six pack, you know, the whole thing, like it was physical dominance. Then it was like, you got to be with the most girls. You got to have sex with the most girls or the hottest girls that you were the man. So then it was sexual conquest. And then it was, you have to have the stuff, make the money, have the sneakers, the house, the car, the bling, whatever it is, that was an important thing. So that's what the boys believe. That was masculinity, physical dominance, sexual conquest, financial or material success. Every one of those things could potentially be taken away from you. You mentioned house foreclosed upon, you lose your job, stock market crashes, you break your leg and you can't run anymore. Like, if we're basing how we feel about ourselves, what we see in the mirror on those extrinsic things, where are we if they fail us in the future? Why not base our masculinity on things that could never be taken away, more intrinsic things? Like, if it's about radical responsibility, being authentic, being curious, being humble, living with integrity, having resiliency, self discipline, and Why not being in service of other people instead of just service to ourselves, right? And so once we started to break down a lot of those preconceived barriers that the kids have and notions what they believe building men was going to be, I saw the school turn around. Now, this is a school where we had a big discipline problem. We had a lot of detentions, a lot of suspensions. We had kids being sent out to out-of-district placements. In one year of the building men program, our suspension rate dropped 75% the number of kids that were classified into special education dropped. the kids who came to school, they were coming to school on time. And again, I'm not be all end all with grades, but the kids that were in the program, their grades raised in school as well. So it was Mm -hmm. something like I see the power in having opportunities for kids to meet together and talk about real things, about the real things that they're going through. And do I believe that girls need the same thing? One hundred percent. Do I feel that kids that identify in a million different ways? Yes. All kids need this. My mission was to help deliver it to young men in middle school and in high school. So long-winded way of saying, where do I see building men going in the future? Schools need programs like this. Schools need to have opportunities for boys to meet. What I want to be able to provide is going in and doing that, train the trainer, teaching them what to do so this way they can do it in the future by themselves. I'll be doing large events for kids. So bringing together boys quarterly in big venues, picture like Tony Robbins type events for Mm -hmm. kids in middle school and in high school for boys to come together and realize, listen, I'm not the only one that's going through this. We're all worried about like looking weak. We're all worried about our future. We're all worried about things that are going on in our family. We're all worried about what we're seeing in the mirror, thinking that it's not what I'm seeing. It's what I think other people think of me Is how I'm identifying in my own world. So be able to do those big type events and do retreats as well in the future. Like that's big picture with building men.
1: So I'm going to poke a little bit or I'm going to actually state also something that really when we were talking off air stood out to me that I was super excited about was even just creating a certification because we have to multiply when we want to create a movement. And I love that um, you want to talk about that because I just thought that you are thinking and preparing to really take this on a much larger scale and support men in the country and men meaning Our guys that are 12 to 18, 19 years old, they need support now more than ever before in any time in history.
0: And it is something that without a doubt will be part of what I'm doing in the future. It's funny. I was in a school district in New Jersey this past week, and I'll be doing in-person building men meetings in their school with the eighth grade boys once a month during the 23-24 school year. And what I was doing yesterday was I trained their male guidance counselors, administrators, social workers, child study team members, and a couple of teachers in the components of everything that I'm doing in building men, where they will participate in the meetings, and then they'll run it in the future. Um, so I already have a curriculum to be able to like a train the trainer type thing. So creating more of a coaching community around it. And here's the thing. While I'm only doing this piece of building men for the last year or so, this is 20 plus years of experience yeah. research hands on not only with kids in my school me as a coach in athletic leagues but then also my own kids as well I've gone through the reps I'll say you know learning how to reach kids at this age level
1: Hey conscious investor often the well intentioned hardwiring of our past prevents us from moving forward at full capacity we doubt ourselves we remind ourselves of who we were told we were instead of discovering who we were created to be We lack courage to move into the life we're meant to lead, and often, instead of stepping into our full potential, many find themselves living a masked life, concerned with other people's expectations and opinions of their lives. Conscious performance coaching clients discover their potential is far more than they anticipated. Through Conscious Performance Coaching, you will connect with your potential, gain lasting momentum, collapse your timelines, and well, hey, every day feels like play. Stop playing small. Step into your full potential. Join the ranks of those who have stepped into their dreams, launched successful businesses, and become unstoppable forces of success. Click the link in the show notes and apply for a free coaching session today. I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful. Shout out to a good friend of both of ours, Austin Linney, for connecting us. Yeah. I think that was the OG is like, oh, wait, who is this, Austin? I need an introduction. I need to talk to him. <laughs> like, I really like this platform and this message. And it's so powerful. But conscious investor, I mentioned this before we drove into the interview with Dennis, but I mean, Dennis is a friend, but he's also working with my son and watching that progression and having that support. I don't know why. Well, one, I didn't have access to that for my son before meeting you. And before you actually launching that, you reached out to me. So remember, Always Conscious Investor, If you have something to offer people, don't hide it. You have to go and share it. You have to let people know so that they know what's available. And I know I've poured a lot of money into my own personal growth and development. My husband has, but it's amazing to think. And I'm sure most of us are joking around with our kids quite often saying, Oh, don't worry. I'm setting aside money for therapy. Like, wait, how about we just, bypass that as much as possible and bring in the support so that we can not go through so many bumps and bruises. I mean, we're going to have setbacks in life. Things are going to happen. That's part of life. That's We've talked about failure. That's part of the growth process. But why don't we make that the right kind of fails? Because there are good fails in life. And so why don't we cut down the pain points and the things that are going to cause deep fractures and rifts in our life and in our child's life and bring in a supportive person like Dennis. And I can't wait because already I can see it. I'm like, Dennis and the building man team, you know, I mean, like, it's going to be this, yeah. <laughs> not too much time. So I'm excited. Conscious investor, reiterate this again towards the end, but I just want to say look into this, look into what Dennis has to offer because the one-on-one coaching makes a really big difference. My son looks forward to those calls and they talk about things. Just know that he's happy and he has more direction and he's thinking about things. And because I know you, I know it's like, you echo the values and the sentiments and everything. So it's like, find me the outside voice of mom and dad.
0: (laughs) It's great. Wanted to just recognize and appreciate your trust in me working with this valuable resource in your life your son we've been talking since february i want to say and the way that i do i mean i definitely want to establish rapport with kids and my two things that i'll say is one i really take into consideration the developmental needs that kids have right and there's five things that i believe we need to be able to provide for them in this coaching capacity and as a parent to be able to say listen I'm saying the same things. We're likely saying same things, but for a kid to hear it from a different person, especially for a boy to hear it from another adult male that they see as some type of a role model in their life, it hits a little bit differently. So even for my own yeah. son, he has a coach that he works with. We're saying the mm-hmm. same thing, but just him hearing it from another spot is a really powerful thing. So the needs are autonomy. you know, making sure that their voice mm-hmm. is a piece of the space that they feel like their voice is being heard, that they have a say in their future, right? So, It might not be across the board, right? You definitely put up guardrails for kids, but their competence, to feel like they're good at doing things. And that, again, taking those risks leads to confidence then by the action, the need for fun. Kids need to have a good time. They're going to find a way to have fun. So I do like, I will joke around with the kids. Like Once I get to know their personality, don't come off right off the bat and whatever, but I will joke around with them. And they like that being able to speak in a safe space about things that are going on in their life and be able to laugh about those things that are going on as well. The need for relationships, not only with relationships with friends, with family, with teammates, with other adults, but to have a relationship with potentially an adult male role model in their life. And then finally, safety. And so if they feel like they're supported in this space, and I tell them, listen, what's said here stays here. Whatever is said, it's between you and I Unless you're into some weird stuff that I, you know, you're going to get like one, like if you're doing some weird stuff with farm animals, like we're not going to go down. So I'll tell them as long as you're not a danger to self or others, like everything is said here stays here. But what I'll also do is, and you could speak to this, I can help them broker conversation. So if they're like, there's something that's really important to me right now and it's bothering me, I don't know how to talk to my parents about it. So I'll say, okay, like, what is it? Let's practice the conversation. Is there a way that I could potentially be a support and be this conduit for a conversation with your parents, which is something that we went through with your son. Having said that, though, I keep in mind, and I call it the three thieves. There are things that are vying to take away a young man's success. And I call them the three thieves. And it's resistance, distraction, and victimhood. Mm. And... One of those three things, if a kid is not finding success, one of those three things is getting in their way. So I have ways to go about identifying what they are. And then how do we go about attacking whatever that thing is? So the resistance, I don't want to do the hard stuff that's in front of me. I'm lazy. I just don't want to do it. It sucks, blah, blah, blah. The distraction, which could be in the form of a phone. It could be a video game. It could be um, eating. It could be pornography. And here's the other thing. If you're listening and your kids in middle school, they've seen pornography before. Just understand that. It just... So what can you do to have conversations with your kids about it? And then finally, victimhood, which I think is like, that is the Voldemort of those three things. And it basically is like, it's everyone else's fault. It's a teacher's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's a coach's fault without ever looking in the mirror. So how do you get them to take back control of their destiny? It's not someone else's. Like, What can we do? And so I have a lot of little tricks that I help them overcome that victim mindset as well. So those are the needs that I try to meeting with kids. And then those are the three thieves or the big things that stand in their way. And I have ways to go about helping them overcome those.
1: I love this. And Conscious Investor, you're applying these to young men. These are really like applicable to every human being. (laughs) And I guarantee that, you're probably struggling, conscious investor. You probably deal with resistance, distraction, or victimhood. You probably have a propensity to kind of fall into the arms of one of those when things get rough. And so, again, this isn't just about our teenage guys in the world growing into men. This is about uh maybe I should be looking in the mirror and doing some reflecting. But to your point, also, I just have to say another huge mindset shift, you know this, but we'll share this with a conscious investor, is that I mean, we went from no, our kid's not going to have a cell phone to, oh, wow, we have this conversation, you know, the brokered conversation. And it's really allowed us to see things from a completely different position. And Steve and I were just like, oh, my word, our thinking is antiquated on this. And the world is not the same as it was when we were growing up. And cell phones aren't what they were when we were growing up. And they're used in very different ways for better or for worse, but this is a tool. It just shifted everything. And so that's something that now months later, we're really grateful that we went down that path and that we get to teach him and train him how to use this tool and resource and allow that accountability to come into his life. And it's like, oh, wait, what's going to happen when he turns 16 or 18 or whatever magic age or whatever magic thing that we had in our head? Like, wait, how about we use this as a teaching opportunity? Because those three thieves are all held in the little device, the computer in our hands.
0: And here's the thing. Technology is not inherently bad. The phone is not inherently bad. It's our intention (laughs) as we're using those things. So if you as the parent in that situation can, again, I'll use like the guardrails. So we're not just going to let them roll down a street with Cliff on one side and just be like, have at it, kiddo. No, like I'm going to be there to support. And what you did, which was great, like you said, here are the parameters for you. And if you go beyond, then this is the consequence, knowing that going (laughs) in. And I had a conversation with your son and I'm like, understand that that's the case and you have it in your control. And if you mess up, you need to be like, I messed up. I'm going to take Full responsibility. I'll be accountable for that. Not, I messed up. Oh, my mom did this or my dad said this. You took
1: my phone away. Right. I've heard that one. I didn't. You made a choice.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So I said, like, if you go down that, well, it was because, and then you put it in somebody else's hands, I'm going to call you on that. So I have that balance between like nurturing and I'll listen to you, but I'm also going to call you out. On it, if you try to BS around it 100%. And so <laughs> the other day, like he was like, Well, uh, I can't do that because I lost my phone. I don't have my <laughs> phone right now. I sat back and I smiled and I was like, That's great. That is so great. Like you gave him a little bit of autonomy, but also like locked it down when he went over the line. Kids need boundaries, right? Kids yeah. absolutely need those boundaries. Quick story. And for just like for people to put this in their own minds about kids, right? when I do workshops with teachers, I say this, okay, listen, say in your educator contract, it says you have to be to work at 7.30 in the morning, right? That's what your contract states. You need to be on duty in the hallway at 7.30 in the morning. And you've been working there for seven years, 10 years, whatever. You're always there on time. You're there early. Every other day, you've been there early this one week had a really, really tough week. And one week, you were late to work every day. You came in late 7.35, 7.38, 7.42, whatever it was, but you were late for a week straight. How do you want your supervisor to handle that? Do you want them to be like up in your face and yelling and screaming and embarrassing you and like blasting you holding up the contract? Do you want your boss to not address it at all, to sweep it under the carpet or to send a passive aggressive email out to the entire faculty saying, by the way, you need to be to work at 730 in the morning and not address it at all? Or would you rather your boss be like, is everything all right? Like, I noticed that you're always here on time and you were late. Like, do you need assistance? Is there some way that I can support you? Kids are the same way. Like, they want mm-hmm. us to notice them. They're not going to say, I want my parents or my whoever to call me out, but they do. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel like they're invisible. They don't want you to blast them and get up in their face and yell and scream, but they want you to be like, I noticed that something's a little bit different here, that you're having a difficult time with this. What can I do to support? But also, it's not okay. Like, you need to be here on time. You need to get to work on time. I'll be here to support you. Same thing with kids. They're craving those boundaries. They don't know how to ask for it. They don't have the tools to ask for it. So that's another thing. Like I help kids understand, like give them some of the vocabulary, the verbiage to be able to have those conversations with their parents as well.
1: It's so critical. It's so, so critical. And again, taking this even to your life conscious investor, think about where you like boundaries because ultimately it is something that humans love. We like to say that we're like, oh, I'm a free spirit and everything. But like most people, I think, actually like to have some semblance of this is how this works. This is a structure. It's probably an 80-20 on there. Probably Prieto's principle going on, but uh, generally speaking. So, oh, I appreciate you so much, Dennis. And I appreciate just how you haven't let all of your experience and all these years and this inner drive, this purpose to really raise up a generation of strong men. It's absolutely critical, in my opinion, at this point in history that in our country specifically, I'm like, oh my gosh, and it's exciting. And I'm going to be the person that's going to be the naysayer. I look around and I do see like I would mentioned you and I were talking off air. I just took this crazy cool trip with my son, watching him carry and conduct himself on that trip with strangers and with people and flight attendants and XYZ, whoever it was, we came in contact and like he knows how to carry himself. He opened the door for me when we were getting into the Uber and things like that. He understands. And yeah. so I think that there are men in the making and the support that we can offer them because they're more of the anomaly, but they're out there and offering them that next level of support and affirmation and community. And that's something we haven't spoken about yet, but I love the foundation community and those meetings where this group of guys, they get to get together and learn. In fact, oh, I don't have Akshay's book here, but I just had Akshay on the podcast and just phenomenal. But Will, after that foundation meeting was like, Oh, my gosh, he's so awesome. You yep. know, And to have these role models and proximity to them, that proximity effect. So let's talk about the foundation and Conscious Investor. Think about this like a mastermind for youth. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so when we think about us as adults getting how we're growing personally, we work with someone potentially as a one-on-one coach. We might also be a part of some type of a group, an online group or community where getting advice, we're learning, we're getting articles, we might click on a link and watch a video that can inspire us. That's what I'm doing with these young men as well. So not only do I work with kids individually, if I do work with a kid individually, I just say, come on into the foundation, come into our um, group coaching, our group community. That's just a part of the coaching package. Or if you're not interested in the one-on-one there's a separate, you could just be a part of the foundation. So it's about 25% of the kids that I coach and the other 75% are just a part of the foundation. And so what it is, is we meet once every two weeks, have it set up on Sunday, Eastern time, Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. So I know football season is coming up. I totally understand (laughs) that. The meetings are an hour long and I have anywhere between 15 and 25 kids that are anywhere between 12 and 18, 19 years old. Like my son has not missed a meeting before he went to school, he's down in the basement. He's there for every single meeting. I've had a couple of his buddies join as well. But what it is, is we meet together. We share wins and losses. There's typically a specific character pillar that is that month's character pillar. And the character pillars that I have for building men in accountability, authenticity, commitment, confidence, courage, humility, integrity, leadership, self-discipline. It's Respect, resiliency. So every month we'll talk deep about that. What does it really mean? How are ways that we can live using that character pillar as a beacon to guide us in our life? Right. So we'll do that. We talk about a healthy habit that they could be utilizing in their daily life. So, like, where are they hearing on a regular basis? Like, it's really important not only to get enough sleep, to drink enough water, to practice gratitude, to journal, to read, to think about your breath. When you're getting nervous, like how do you anchor yourself with your breath to move, to get sunlight, to strength train, to put yourself in uncomfortable situations with intentionality. So we're talking about these things as a group. And so these boys are going through this, learning about these character pillars, these healthy habits. And then they're having conversation with these really powerful role models. And so guys that I've connected with on the podcast that I've had on as guests that I felt like these guys are really, really good mentors. I bring them on do a quick introduction, and then we have a conversation. So it's a mini podcast that lasts about 15 minutes that's live. So the boys are there watching. And then they get to ask these guys questions. So you mentioned Akshay Nanavate, who wrote the book Fearvana, who's a former Marine, who's an ultra marathon runner, who's going to be the first human being in the history of the world to traverse the continent of Antarctica on a solo journey, carrying everything with them, 400 pounds. It's going to be 100 days. This was a guy that I have on the foundation in July having a conversation with them, and then opening up to questions from young men who now have access to this unbelievable role model. Jamie Gruber is going to be on. I don't know when this is going to air, but he's one of the members of Abundance who hosts the podcast Tribe of Millionaires, who's just an unbelievable entrepreneur. So he's going to give these kids advice if they're interested in going into the business world or going into business for themselves. I've had on world-class athletes. I had on a guy named Chris Rudin, who's a power lifter. He is a motivational speaker, and he was born with a disability where he has a mechanical arm, and he's deadlifted like seven hundred pounds, and one arm is mechanical, and so he's on the foundation giving advice to these boys. I've had different coaches that have been on; it's just been a really powerful experience to watch the kids, hear conversations that men are having. Um, and so my brother Anthony is my co-pilot on it as well, and so Anthony's a fitness freak. So he gives a lot of nutrition tips for the boys and strength training tips for the boys as well. But them hearing these conversations and then having access to ask for a piece of advice. So I have kids in my group that are starting their own business. And they're like, how do I go about doing X, Y, and Z? And this guy that they're talking to gives them, well, when I was your age, this is what I thought. And this is how I overcame. And this is what I did. So it's a really powerful thing. We meet twice a month. And this is just a rolling enrollment. So anytime you want to join, I'm just going to keep going with the foundation as well
1: proximity effect is so critical in life. And I think some of those names that the people that you've had on the foundation meetings, those are people that many people would pay a very large amount of money to be in the room to hear them speak from a stage. And then to create this small space where this small group of guys can be in that proximity, you're not in the shadows, you're not up in the nosebleed, you're like, sweat distance, you know, at the concert. And it's like, Oh my gosh. And I can talk to you and actually have this conversation. It's unbelievable. Those guys are going to look back on that and realize the gift that that was. And that's a gift that the parents gave them because ultimately the parents are footing the bill. So it's like that parents having that foresight to say, I'm investing in you. Because you are my number one priority. You are my number one asset, if you will. Like if you want to think about investments, like our kids are our number one investment. Yep.
0: And I appreciate you saying that too. And cool thing is, as the guys are coming on, the guest mentors that I have on, they say to the boys, like, listen, for you to show up here on a Sunday afternoon and spend time as a 15, 16, 18 year old on personal growth and development, like you are so far ahead of the game. When I was your age, I was doing this stupid thing or that. Like the fact that you're doing this, kudos to you for doing this. And then what they'll do is they give them one or two pieces of advice. Like, if I were to go back into my middle school, high school age range, I wish I knew this because if I knew this thing, it would have catapulted me to success. And then here's a book you should read. Here's a podcast you should listen to. Here's a video you should watch. So now these boys were stacking these things. Like they're developing this library of, resource from people that have found success in whatever area they're in. So I love it every week. I mean, I would do it for free. It does like I'm not doing it for financial gain in any way. I do it because I see the impact that it's having. I mean, just for my son to be a part of this, I know Mm -hmm. for a fact like he went off to school so much more prepared for his freshman year of college because he was a part of this program.
1: Mm -hmm. I love it. My gosh, we could go on, but we do have to wrap things up, which is always sad. It's always a bittersweet thing, but I appreciate you so much, Dennis. I have one final question for you, and then we'll get your contact info for the Conscious Investor and everything. But the question is this, based on a lot of people are saying, I would have known this way back then. And I've actually flipped that question recently because as I've matured in life and I found that this is a common experience, I've distanced myself from some of the good things that came about because I was young and spirited or whatever. So I've actually done this exercise where I've gone back to my younger self and said, well, what would my younger self tell me right now? So my younger self was not fully informed. It was an uninformed optimist we'll leave it at that. Right. And so I didn't have the knowledge and the experience to temper things, but I still had things working for me. Right. Now I have, and you and I were at this different stage in life. So I think it's interesting to go back and say, well, what advice would your younger self give you now?
0: Right. I love the question. It's turning uh, everything on its head there. I'm thinking about my younger self. I grew up again as a kid who was anxious, who was like, got beat up in school, got beat up at home. I was worried all the time. Like There was a safety piece. My younger self would tell me it would be to invest more in friendships. I feel like the older that I got, my social circle started to shrink, especially become a parent. And it Mm -hmm. becomes so much more about like providing for your family. You start to make excuses for not going out and seeing friends and you let those friendships slip. And I'm not interested in the friendships that are just like, hey, let's go out to the bar and drink 10 beers and watch the game every single week. Like, I'm looking for something a little bit deeper as well. Mm -hmm. So, I think my younger self would say, like, friendships are really, really important. Don't let them die out. Even if you need to be the one that picks up the phone and is like, hey, we haven't talked in a month, like, let's get together, let's go golf and let's do something. It would be around the importance of friendships. And I think men in particular, like, it's easier for us to not do that, like, hey, wife, the kids, the job, the blah, blah, blah. I got to yeah. mow the lawn. I, you know, I just don't have time. So that's what he would tell me. And I need to listen to him right now. Now that we're talking, I'm going <laughs> to do that. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to reach out to a cool friends, like, hey, thinking about you.
1: I love the question. It's almost going back to some of the concepts we've spoken about, like changing my idea of, wait, it's fine if they need to retake a test. That's how they're learning. Okay, that's fine. It's fine that yeah. they get a cell phone at whatever age. Like, And flipping that I only have wisdom as I get older. Well, I do. But my younger self wasn't a total idiot. It's not like we're bumbling idiots usually. Even if we struggled severely in different capacities, there's still merit to every person. So I love that. That's a great answer.
0: Uh, That's a great question. It really got me thinking as far as what the hell would I say to myself? It's a (laughs) a really good question.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, The Conscious Investor is inspired and interested and curious about building men and about what you have to offer as building men, what you have to offer for our young men ages 12 to 18, 19. Let's go ahead. And this may come out before your event. So let's just talk about what do you have going on? How can the Conscious Investor connect up with you, your platform and all things that you have going on?
0: thank you so much for the opportunity so my website buildingmen.io is where you can find everything so one-on-one coaching and information about the foundation and or if you're interested in having me come to a school and start setting up a program like this i sent you a couple links as far as like special offers just for conscious investor listeners where you'll get i think it's like 20% off of the foundation, like $250 off of one-on-one coaching if they're interested. So if they book through that, I have a special link set up. I'll be the one of the main speakers at a big event called The Enlifted Experience. It's in Richmond, Virginia, October 6th, 7th and 8th. There's a thing on the Building Men Instagram page. Building.men is my Instagram page. There's information on there where you can book through that and save a couple bucks as well. But I'll be one of the keynote speakers. For the event so that's where you can find me building Man podcast is available wherever you can find podcasts and just a quick thing as another piece of advice for parents like every parent that i'm talking to right now i'm like i need to make sure that i get this out there's a book called mindset the author name is dr carol dweck d-w-e-c-k it talks about the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset and as a parent a thing that i wish that i knew that right now is such an important piece of how I'm talking to my daughters. There it is. Such a great, great book mindset. So I listened to it as I was reading it. I'm listening to the audiobook as I'm reading it. I'm such a fan of it. One of the big pieces of advice that I would give to a parent if they're listening right now is when you're thinking about praise for your kids, whenever you're thinking about praising your kids, do not praise their identity. Don't praise them for being, you're so smart. You're the best athlete. You are the greatest at this. You're the best softball player. You're the best, blah, blah, blah. When you praise identity, it actually is a detriment to your kid. We could do a a total podcast just about this idea, but I want to make sure that I hit this. Mm -hmm. If you're going to praise your kid, praise them on their effort. Praise your kid on how hardworking they are, how resilient they are, how their work paid off in whatever success it is. Don't attach praise to identity, attach it to hard work every single time. When you do that, they're going to work harder. They'll get better results. They won't fear failure in the future if you're praising them for the work that they're putting in, not the result of the work that they're putting in. So that's a like quick aside. I mm-hmm. wish I knew that as a parent earlier on. Once I did learn it, again, like as we reconfigure our ideas about different things, now it is 100% a part of how I work with kids. Talk all about the effort, not about the identity.
1: Okay. I'm always grateful for refreshers. Also, if you're watching on YouTube... Conscious Investor, I'm holding the book up. It's a great book. It's like an anchor book on mindset, really at the forefront of people getting into this concept of mindset. So anchor book, definitely worth your while, but I really appreciate even circling back because sometimes we know things and we just have to hit refresh. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Make sure, you know, and that's such a good thing. And this is why it's so important and Conscious Investor, when you just say, I'm going to ruin this. Thank you, Conscious Investor, for pouring into yourself. I was going to do it where it's positive praise, <laughs> right? It comes so naturally. So then it would be more the effort. Like, yeah. thanks for listening on the treadmill. Like, you made a point to put this in your ears. Good job. Yay for you. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Conscious Investor, I am grateful for you. And I know that you do set time aside to listen to the show. And I am so grateful. We have like 218 rating and reviews. And I am so grateful for the time and care and attention that you have taken to just let me know what's standing out to you about the show. Remember. I'm not just a voice that's streaming through your ears. Neither is Dennis. We're real people and we love to serve and support people. That is a common thread, the golden thread between both of our platforms and the movements that we are creating. And so don't be a stranger. If Dennis's message is resonating with you, please make sure go follow him on Instagram. He always has amazing content there. Schedule time. If you have a teenage guy, 12 to 18, 19 years old, look into at the very least a foundation, at the very bare minimum. We spend tons of money on sports and all these other things for our youth. Let's invest in their future version of themselves. Let's invest in launching them in a really powerful way into the world and equipping them so that they're better prepared to navigate the ever-changing world around them. And so look into that. I highly recommend the one-on-one coaching my son loves it. And so, and he gains so much from it. I can't even really tell you too much about it because it's a vault. And I'm totally comfortable with that because I know that he's in really great, capable, caring hands. So look into everything. And then remember, if we have not spoken, we want to have personal freedom in life. So personal freedom does include financial freedom. So if you and I have not had a conversation about what your goals are in life, both financially or for you personally, like schedule a time for us to talk. And I promise you, if you look down at the reviews over on Apple Podcasts, you'll see a lot of reviews where people are like, oh my gosh, it was so fun talking. (laughs) We'll actually, it will be a meaningful conversation and doesn't cost you anything. Dennis, maybe I should start charging for that okay <laughs> conscious investor until next time live big love bigger and do great things overwhelmed by apartment syndication but want to learn more let me help you press the easy button head over to three keysinvestmentscom and download syndication made simple i explain simply how the process works who's involved and how you can get started today you're smart, and with this simple guide, you'll be able to understand the process. Head over to 3keysinvestments.com and download Syndication Made Simple.